the Daily Talk Show, episode 529. And we've got Stacey June back on the show. Hi, Hello. guys. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, you've brought an, an addition with you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, You're quite pregnant. I'm so pregnant. I love that point where it's just a little cuddle and you feel it on your belly between you might, the cuddle. You might love <laughs> it. Well, it just brings me back. It's a, I mean, I, I instantly want to go for the touch. You can. May I? I know you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's amazing how hard it is. Oh, can I, I just feel too, yeah. please? Thank you. Um, it, oh, it's it's so hard. It's, to, go yeah. press in. It's, well, I don't want to. You're not going to hurt the belly Where Where was your belly button? Oh, here. It's still there, mate. I it's wish I could show open, you. Is it popped out? It's, oh, I've got jocks on, should I? It's so. I don't mind. <laughs> Live stream. Take it. Josh's hand still on her belly. <laughs> it's, it's very warm, isn't it? I guess it's got it like it's doing stuff. <laughs> it's in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've known you guys for a long time. Okay, I'm yeah. not, okay I've got okay. an underlace. Like, okay, so I'll perfect. hopefully try okay. and show you through okay. this way. See how it's kind of, no, you can't. It's, it's a bit raised. Is it raised? See that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I can yeah. see. It's a little bit out It's very weird because I've always had this uh, not like in belly button. Mm-hmm. And I've got a video actually of the day I discovered it had popped out. And that is by far the most extreme <laughs> crazy thing I've dealt with in my pregnancy. Yeah. You have just a belly one button. Day, just- yeah, for 35 years you've got the yeah. same thing and then all of a sudden your skin is pushed out of your stomach yeah. and it looks completely different. It was such a head F. I couldn't get over it. And that I've grown a human and it still hasn't surprised me as much as the belly button did. Mm. Belly buttons are weird. Remember kids, yeah, aren't they? So Primary weird. school there was a few kids I remember that had, had outings. Mm. So a little – I haven't seen my a brother kid at the had pool one, yeah. as an adult – I haven't seen an adult mm. with an outie. Why do you think we're all so awkward about them too? Outie, innie. It's like not a dirty word, but no one mm-hmm. wants to talk about it that much. <laughs> no, I'm glad we're covering them. <laughs> you know, you're thinking but aren't saying, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but the um, uh, my brother had a, an outie and they, they're more likely to turn into hernias. And what? so, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, like uh, you, uh, there was a time where I'd feel it and it was actually his, um, I was going to say esophagus, definitely not esophagus. It's his, uh, you know, the things that you have that fucking your mm. food goes through. Mm. Your, what's that called? Your colon. Yeah, the other thing. Intestine. Intestines. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can actually feel the intestines and stuff. Um, Stace, I know you, you've um, shared your journey along the way uh, to where you are with your pregnancy. Yeah. Is there anything you've learned? Because I could imagine you did a lot of research into what it's like to have a baby and, and the journey. Anything that you just outside of the belly button that you're like, holy shit. Yeah, I think there's a real um, there's a real sad narrative that's going on with birth that I think has been a big eye opener for me. I you know that it's like people go to hospital. I don't know. I just didn't realize there were so many great options other than the ones that you think are the options. Mm-hmm. Sitting outside, being a non-pregnant person or a non-person that can be pregnant. And I think that has been really refreshing and I found that really interesting. I'm actually quite intrigued to see if that's something I end up, you know, being really interested in after. Depends on how my birth goes, I guess. But just the fact that like there's a real well, there's a real medical essence to what we know for birth, whereas what I've understood now is that unless it needs to go to medical intervention, it isn't really a medical procedure. Mm. And I didn't really think of it like that, even being the hippie that I am. Until you're you're faced with it, you're not researching this crap. Yeah, I mean, until the kid's head's the size of a football and it can't get out, exactly, it's like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I mean, we're so so lucky 
Like the reason we have the population we do is because of childbirth being something that people don't die from necessarily. Like mm, it's mm, what mm, it was mm. once. Like Amy and that, I mean, that was traumatic for her. But what was an interesting one is going to hospital where you associate it with sickness and it's mm-hmm. this really yeah. lovely thing. So it is a shift of being in a place that's usually. Which they say can really change the progress of your labour too. Mm. So you, you're kind of thinking about when are we going to go to hospital, how are we going to get there, when are we going to, when should we call the, the hospital, when should we. And that kind of process a lot of the time will actually elongate the labour. Mm. Um, so as you can probably tell, I'm planning for a home birth. <laughs> Um, because I, I just, it's not because I want to be anti-hospital or, you know, it's not one or the other, but for me, it's like, if I don't need to go there, then I won't go there. If Mm. I need to go there, I'll go there. What's the everyday carry of someone who's planning on giving birth at home? Like, what do you have to have? Like fucking tarps, like and a to-do things. list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at home. Yeah, we've got the pool. That's uh-huh. Ben's job. My husband's job. Um, like just got, a, f- a blow-up pool. Well, it's a birth pool. I don't know, actually. Do you he doesn't need a just, little like air compressor. Do you reckon it's just marketing? So oh, it's 100%. like Clark's rubber, but actually it just says birth. birth pool and they've chucked a couple extra hunge on there. <laughs> Done a, a, royal, a, a, what do you call it, like a um, royalty-free image of a baby. Just, just it's it on still got Photoshop. like the, the anyway. Um, so you got the baby pool. So tarps. you're only going to use that one. I guess you just. Uh, all the midwives will bring one. We're waiting oh, okay. to see about that. Mm-hmm. But. I don't want to rely on anyone else. I'm very yeah. much, let's just get the things mm-hmm. we want because this is, I'm. it's drug free, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. these things are not a joke. Mm-hmm. You need anything you can to you try can. and help you get through it. Um, yeah, tarps to some degree, like just as if you're painting. Mm-hmm. Just go to Bunnings and get the painting ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bunnings should release a range of uh, <laughs> yeah, looking yeah, for yeah, a home yeah. We got you covered. Aisle six. They yeah. could, well, they could make a bit of extra cash because yeah. I'm, I'm sure painting drop sheets aren't that expensive, but mm. home birth drop sheets. Yeah. Well, so that's a different. Have you worked out in the house where you're going to have the setup? Well, we're moving the kitchen table out mm-hmm. and we're putting the pool there. In place of the kitchen table, Kanye <laughs> Seven is just looking. At so, me. Yeah. <laughs> is there a He's point? Like, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, if you're like, say, if you're um, two days out from your due date, do you move the table and get the pool set up? Yeah, I think where we're going away mm-hmm. at like ridiculous, like thirty eight, thirty nine weeks, we're heading about an hour north mm-hmm. um, to go away with some mates. I, I just don't see the point of sitting at home waiting when we can mm. sit buy a pool with some friends cooking for you mm. and a barbecue. And then if we feel like where things are on, we'll drive home. So we'll have everything set up before we How leave for a holiday. About an hour. You'll so there okay. is a potential. Remember when Amy, Josh, Josh called, <laughs> Josh called um, we were on the phone when Amy's waters broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And uh, and then it, yeah, it didn't happen until the next morning. Yeah, it takes a little bit. Yeah. But did she have any pain before the water breaking? Even um, like some kind of semi-contract. Oh, yeah, 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 so you the, start to get signs. But they weren't clear enough. And not everyone's waters break and it no, happens like that. No. So it's all different. Um, Stephen Walter, who uh, was on radio when we were in Shepparton, Wally, he gave birth, his wife gave birth in the driveway. Oh, I remember this story. And he delivered the baby. Oh, that's it's cool. F- like, and it was so quick. It wouldn't have been her first though. No, I don't think yeah, it yeah, yeah. You got you got to program your body to get it, yeah. and get it out. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think think about it for your first child. It's not just, yeah, like a pimple. You know, pimple don't just, just pop, right? You've got to squeeze exactly like <laughs> yeah. that. Exactly yeah. like that. It's exactly like yeah. that. Don't. That's probably closer to a blind <laughs> pimple, if anything, right? <laughs> 
sometimes the you accuracy. don't know when it's going to come. <laughs> yeah, and then there's no head on it. Um, and so, so have you watched? Have you watched like a bunch of content? Like, have you sort of skewed all of your Instagram and stuff? Oh, to- it's such low res. It's <laughs> shocking. Like, you know, like they could really up the market. But yeah, I've watched a heap of home births because you don't really have. It's like old school, right? Like where before the internet was so crazy, you'd be looking for content. And when people talk about the internet wasn't there. And so I had to Mm. get books and whatever. Homebirth's still a bit like that. Like Mm. you have to dig hard and it's YouTube mainly that you can find stuff. And it's a lot of it is random. You've got to find some Mm. stuff that looks relatively legit. I've watched uh, birthing, uh, water birth videos on YouTube. What does that do to your YouTube recommendations? You just end up getting heaps of them. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, oh, then you'll get like 10 products that we should buy, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. baby. Drop sheets for you. Yeah, yeah. Baby yes. drop sheets. And so have you thought about creating content around your own birth to help the people who don't have that content? Of course I have. And it's <laughs> disgusting and fucked. But, yes, of yeah, course I have. Yeah. This is, I'm, really in, I'm really in a messed up place with all this at the moment. Why? As I move into having another human that does not choose to have content. Yeah. It's a it's tricky. I'm really mm. I'm struggling at the moment. But no, we're not we'll have a friend that will film and video it. Uh-huh. Um or film and take photos, I mean. And then we'll decide later if anyone ever sees it. Mm. But I want to have it first and foremost. I'll only ever film stuff initially because I'd like to have it for mm. me. Um but then it's there. Are you someone that likes listening back? Like if you do a podcast or whatever, can you listen back to yourself and be pretty okay about that experience? Um, that's that's so much more. It's still separate. I, mm-hmm. That's still work, mm-hmm. I feel. So I don't listen back to my podcasts. Yeah. And if I do, it will be from a technical perspective. So I'll be in the car and I just want to make sure the mics are right, that, you know, integration into ads and stuff's okay, mm. which my husband's editing at the moment. So it's basically oh, an yeah. air check to him. He's checking whether he's fucked <laughs> yeah. it up. It's a bit um, late by the time. Are you listening back to the actual podcast going out to the world? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> okay, and so, um, not really, no. I never really have, yeah. to be honest. Mm. Um, we did start to do that. You just got shivers based on With air the, checks that we used to have. Oh, I just kind of feel like it'll drop. It's meant to get to who it's meant to get to mm. now. But with the Thinker Girls, I we did I did start listening and we kind of took on a bit more of a producer hat when we would have younger producers or people we wanted to train because it was an investment in them, mm-hmm. not so much our show. Yeah. So we'd try and find ways to train them to be able to know the right edits and stuff. So we did it for that reason, but I've never listened back to kind of, if anything, if I do it through technical reasons, I'll listen to my energy levels. Sure. So what's the environment? It. So if you're watching back your birthing video, what's like the environment? Is it like on a Sunday night? Is it like watching back a wedding well, I've video? I've got one. I've got I filmed. What did you do? What do you do with it? Nothing. I've just watched it. Um, I've skimmed through it. It's a bit too much for me. Yeah. Like, unless I haven't edited it together, I've just got like the bit, like I, there's some full on moments of like the full placenta coming out. And and you were filming? I got that. Yeah, right. I I just, I just had my camera in my hand and so I was just trying to not be a freak. Mm -hmm. Portrait or landscape? Just uh, landscape, story. Landscape. Okay. Gotta, if you don't know what you're doing with it, you've got to go landscape. I'm sorry, Instagram, but it's no, got to be the way. I'm sorry. Have it for the 55 inch. The portrait TV. kills you, doesn't it? Like, yeah. what about my archives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Definitely. 
Instagram. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely limiting. <laughs> I'm yeah, giving yeah. it shadow ban now. Like, <laughs> that's on my mind lately. This is where Why? we're at. I don't have a great relationship with social media at the moment and I, I'm constantly wondering if I'm getting shadow banned or I just don't know. I only found out like two weeks ago what shadow banned is. Do you know what's, what it is? What's the meaning? Well, I they think do it without telling you based on the content. Well, you know, pretty much. If you yeah, search yeah. for something, like someone's like, oh, I tried to search myself and I have to type in the full name before it comes up. Mm. And that's apparently like shadow banning. So they're reducing the amount of people that can see uh, the content. So yeah. why are you t- saying that, Stacey? Have you, have you seen a drastic change in something or is it? Yeah, I do feel like I, I feel like I'm a bit stuck. I feel like as I've gone through this transition of changing from, I guess, this kind of millennial girl that doesn't have any idea what she's doing as a brand, essentially, from mm-hmm. my um, from the thinker girls and, and the content I used to create mm-hmm. to now navigating kind of motherhood and also being a bit more aggressive with my self-help stuff and it's just swear words and just really – I don't have anyone to answer to like mm-hmm. I did when I was on air. So – I have found that there's just there's no activity. It kind of goes up, down, up, down. Like it just is very stagnant. Mm. And not that I'm kind of at a point where I think, oh, I should be growing or should be decreasing, but there's there's something in it that feels like there's a block. Well, the, what's the shift in going from what the style of content you were doing to this? Is there a – you could say it's not for everyone, so you That's are right. seeing who is mm-hmm. sticking around. What's your – understanding of that transition as a brand I've never I've never been a person to look at my stats and which is not a great thing to be honest but I think I have started to notice things because I've changed so my audience is changing Mm. and a lot of my audience are probably not signing up for the new stuff but then I'm finding new people come so it's just a bit of a it's been a bit of a head fuck actually Mm. to not be too consumed by it Mm. because as I said I've always been what six seven years creating content with absolutely no intention behind doing it for other people it's always been driven by what I wanted to put out there but now I don't know I, I I do think a little bit more about the content I put out there I do think about will this help someone or is this worthwhile or is this because I think we're flooded by so much now that I want the things to put out there to not be so um I don't know, without conscious thought, you know, I was really just, a, I shot everything out. But now that means that the conscious thought of the content has always brought, also brought conscious thought of who's consuming it. Do you like it? Do you not like it? It's brought this other headspace that I'm not quite used to, to mm. be honest. Is there a sensitivity? Because I guess like when you're like having troubles conceiving and all that sort of thing mm. versus actually being pregnant, how did you sort of deal with the change in the audience or the sensitivities around that? I know that my followers went down dramatically with how much I spoke about miscarriage and mm-hmm. trying to fall pregnant. That was That's just standard. And, mm-hmm. I again, I hate to even talk about followers because it's never something I've really paid much attention to, but mm-hmm. it was so obvious. Even my partner would be like, Jesus, after that video, you could see the numbers go down. And so that's really – it's hard to get your head around mm-hmm. when you know that you're also getting private messages of people that it's – totally helping, you know. And so, um, yeah, I guess I just have continued to go within and just continue to push through that stuff and just do the content that I feel is important. Mm. Do you think there's a difference in the type of follower uh, or person that follows someone like you when you're in the mainstream media versus niche specific? Like is there a difference? I think it's starting to. 
yeah, I think there's definitely more kind of self-help space. Lots of coaches and people that are interested in self-development are, are kind of bubbling around. But because my – I've never – and this has been a thing for me forever. I've never fitted into a box. Mm-hmm. So as much as I might be now um, a coach and do a lot more self-care stuff, I don't fit into that. I don't have my yoga mat out taking photos from the top saying mantras and things like there's parts of me that will put things up that are my version of that, but it's not as easy to box me into a hippie that is going to wanderlust and talking. You know what I mean? Mm. So it still is, but then to some degree, I think I still get a lot of the commercial radio audience that are looking to, you know, hear from someone that wants to talk about meditation. That's not too woo woo. Mm. So it's, it's a bit of both, which is kind of what I think is where I'm at myself personally, which is interesting. How do you reconcile the sort of the judgment that can come with parenting and being pregnant mm. in regards to the content that you create and how you dish it? It's dish already it pretty fucked up. Mm. Even interestingly, I've, I, you know, you know the followers that you've had for a long time and even a lot of the people that I think would never really offer or give you advice or kind of push their agenda on you that have followed c- content that I've done for years, as soon as you enter into a motherhood conversation, mm. we'll give it to you. Yeah. And I've written back to one girl once and I said, I think I recognise you. Like you followed my content and supported me for a long time. Why is it now since I'm talking about my future child that gives you the idea that I want your advice and didn't want your advice when I was a single girl? Mm. Like what – how is that different for you to think that you've got some right? Yeah. And obviously it is? she unfollowed. She unfollowed back. <laughs> <laughs> she followed back about a week later. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's this real – I haven't cracked into it yet. Mm. I'm not sure. I, I, I do definitely st- – I've definitely started to see what everybody talks about with this this motherhood thing. I think a lot of it is that – a lot of the conversation, particularly for the first six to 12 months, is very private and personal. So then when people have the opportunity to speak maybe two or three years on, they speak loudly. Mm. Um, I think that's one of them. And I think the other idea is that we have this kind of real warped idea of the way motherhood and and mums should be. I think Mm. it's still a bit patriarchal, to be honest, but I don't think it's the blokes pushing the agenda. I think it's the chicks. Mm. This is the way you be a mum. We were told this years ago by people that weren't mums, blokes mainly, and now it's blokes that have let go of that idea and it's the women that are still pushing Mm. it, which I've found really confronting, to be honest. It feels like there's a narrative now that like, the first few years of someone's life is so important to their future happiness, well-being. Do you think that that puts an extreme amount of pressure to have everything perfect in those first few years? I think that's being generous to the people critiquing me, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I think you're right. It's the first three years that really um, – well, I've done a lot of research into this for my own mental health and anxiety because they say that a lot of your anxiety – can stem from the first th- three years of your life, mm-hmm. what your environment was, what was going on. The first three years of radio. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I don't think the people that are commenting are probably even we're, like, aware of that. Mm. So I don't think that's their inte- their kind of driver mm-hmm. to judge. Yeah. Um, but I wish it was because that would come from a better place, I suppose. So how do you not, not freak out in regards to like, you know, you have your kid that first three years – I saw a, a parent talking about no negative, no negativity in that first three years. So it's like we don't want 
in any uh, any uh, what do they say? Um, antagonists. No, yeah, no, no stories with antagonists like characters in any storyline, and they fast forward through a bunch of content like that their kids seeing. That seems like quite stressful because then all of a sudden, if you accidentally show the wrong scene in Lion King, you're like, they're fucked for life. Mm. How do, how do where do you sit? Amongst it all. My biggest lessons are from the hardships in my life. Mm. So it would be crazy to try and sculpt a person that is purely based on positive experiences. Mm-hmm. It's just not the kind of person I want to raise. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I need to shove everything that I experienced in my kids' way. Jay-Z speaks about this and I mm. love it. On the David Letterman interview, he talks, they say, how do you try and get your kids to learn the lessons you did? You were selling drugs on the street trying to figure out how to make ends meet and now you're Beyonce and Jay-Z and you've mm-hmm. got kids. And he was like, I don't, and it was really a moment for me, not that I compared myself to Jay-Z, <laughs> but I, he just was saying, you know, you don't. your kids don't need to repeat to learn the lessons that mm. you want them to learn. They don't have to go through the same things you mm. went through. But at the same time, um, I don't think sugarcoating things and making things perfect is is a great formula to sculpt a character. Mm. Like a real character to me has a bit of grit, has imperfections, you know, characters that I like on television shows that are women that are unlikable, that are real, like realistic and mm. that, that really are able to land on their feet and not crash to the floor mm. when something doesn't go their way. So you're cr- creating a batch, a, a future Bachelor contestant, <laughs> basically. Oh, is it a boy Which or a girl? Have you released? Have you, uh, have you released? You, have you released? The content, have you got a full press release on the... Um, <laughs> You'll have to speak to my publicist. <laughs> um, yeah, we know, but no one okay. else knows. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Well, well, because, yeah, because we um, – well, no one knows what to say following because yeah, sure. you kind okay. of – you go to say, do you know – oh, okay, 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 I'm cool with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but it is oh, funny. Oh, we had the name. Like, I mean, we – so fortunate. I mean, so many people have a tough time, like you have, have getting pregnant. Amy got pregnant. We were talking about it at our wedding and that yeah, was six yeah, weeks. Yeah. That was and a so, surprise. You guys are pretty shocked. Oh, I think we're just shook and needing help. I remember. Yeah, that's happening. But then we knew it was a boy and we called him Bodie and so we had the name. I don't know. Everyone's on their own journey. But I think I definitely, like, it is so, the the emotive response behind looking at parenting content or even being in a scenario where a friend of mine's kid, um, the mum's a doctor and very pedantic about the kid going on the floor and, like, germs. And the, the one school of thought is ah, let him toughen up, like mm-hmm. get him in the dirt. My dad loves getting Bodhi out. Into the, I mean, he's older now, but he's out touching stuff. And some people just don't have that thinking around the kid being in, you know, dirty environments or being on the floor. Like here, it's like you don't know if this is clean. It's definitely not clean, but you don't know. And so I, I judge that parenting based on mine, not that I vocalise it or mm-hmm. say it. I'm just like, it's be all right. The house mm. isn't that dirty. Well, yeah, I guess mm. you feel the friction when two kids are in a room I trying also to see, converse and play. I also see the anxiety in the parent, like mm. like picking it, like no washing. Well, they're picking that up more than the germs, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I yeah. feel about it. It's like the germs, modern medicine would save most things of this kid. Well, where we are in Australia, it's mm-hmm. very, it's a good place. I feel like we're, I'm lucky because... My partner is pretty different to me, so mm. I think we've got a few bases covered in our in our house. But it's funny we went for a picnic on Sunday, and I had my godson with me, and we were walking to the toilets in the like in the park, so they're public toilets. And I walked with no shoes on, 
and he follows me and walks with no shoes on. And I thought to myself, oh, he he probably sh- like his pa- his parents would probably put mm-hmm. shoes on him. But is that should I? So I just kept walking. He came with me, and then his dad raced down and was like, "You've got to put your shoes on. You've got to mm-hmm. put your shoes on." And it's interesting that like that's their thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was thinking, I wonder if that will change for me when it, if it's my kid. And then actually, my mate ran back with my shoes too. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's disgusting in there. Opened up and it, yeah, it was floodgates. Like it was pretty. Oh uh, yeah, because uh, you've actually like the walking the dunny. It's, it's actually the getting it's the into dunny. the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the mm. dunny just dripping. You know, just yeah. situations. I think, feel funny. Do you take your shoes off when you're on a flight, a long flight? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I would prefer never to wear shoes. Really? Yeah. Yes. Do you have? Do you wear like thongs or whatever? You get shoes off. I just yeah. always have to have my feet mm. out, especially now. Mm. If I have like runners on all day, like Nike, I've got these Nikes that I put on, and I feel like I've just suffocated for the day if I've had them on all day. Yeah. Did you wear Ugg boots? Shep, were, were you oh, rocking yeah. Uggies? Well, it was Shepparton. <laughs> <laughs> it was freezing, and there was literally the only person there that I cared about was you. <laughs> <laughs> Like um, you wore the same thing every day, pretty much. Yeah, the same beanie. Yeah, yeah, because you just get into that sort of. Yeah, it's like a sh- you know you're in the car, you're just like comfy. Mm-hmm. So you have your, your thing that just gets you in that comfy spot. I reckon I'd eat so much Maccas if I did regional radio. Just like getting around like early morning coffees oh, I mean, at McCafe. No, we, we, we went for coffee after every show. That was our little ritual. Mm-hmm. And then we got we started getting like pancakes delivered to the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we turned it up good. towards the end. <laughs> It was fun. <laughs> Do you look at those times in a different light nowadays than when you like were closer to that period? Um, yes and no. Yeah, I, I'm very proud that I did it. Mm. But I remember when I first moved to Sydney and uh, had landed the job at Kiss and saw a naturopath and was quite burnt out. I, she said that I had adrenal fatigue and I was telling her about my life and it was including all the regional stops because as, as well, Shepard and I did cans. Yeah, and she had adrenal fatigue after all of that <laughs> well, was uploaded. Pretty much. <laughs> and so then she was saying, but then she actually said further, she goes, it sounds like you could have um, post-traumatic stress. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm going an regional. S word. Sh- sh- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, it's more just about the, because think about it, many people don't even move house. Yeah let alone move cities, let alone move cities three times in two years mm. and then, then they're not cities. Mm. You move mm. to a country town where you've never lived. So it took me a bit to, I guess, come off that exhaustion of what it did to me mentally, I think. But now that I look back, I think, I don't know, I just feel like it's a really good thing that I learnt those skills but also I sacrificed mm. i guess is there a way of like self-preserving when you're in the moment like looking like talking to the naturopath where you're like oh in shepherd and i probably should have been doing x y and z instead of this i don't know it's brekkie radio for starters mm. everyone will say that's challenging but then also when you're away from family friends from any form of like stability you're also being challenged all the time by the environment you're in because you're constantly thinking about moving out of that environment and so everybody around you resents you for that. Mm. That's one of the unspoken things about regional is that a lot of people that work in the station are very happy to live there and be there and that's great. But your constant your constant drive is to get out of there. So the vibe between you is is only 
real to some point. Mm. They're not really interested in you being there. You're not really interested in getting too invested. Yeah. We're all putting on a show. We've got a one that goes bit, out to the people. They put on a show to us. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that, wasn't well, it? Well, because they're always... Um, they're always thinking, oh, these guys will be gone soon and then so there'll be new. And so that's Which where. Which is fair too to some degree because we <laughs> <'Cause> were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one. And then it's, you know, getting in there. Like I remember schmoozing everybody like because mm. I like being friend, friendly with a whole bunch of people and I was like, I went around. You do that. You do that very well and you did that much better than me. Well, I think I did it from the day I was there. I made it a point. But they're always they're, there's everyone's like oh, I don't know about this guy. But then you free kebab over. like mm-hmm. only a year ago. Oh my Tommy god! So when I first got to Shepherd, and I um, there was this woman who was having a, a party. It was like a hot night. We hadn't even started the show. This was before you. This was Candy days, and Candy hadn't even arrived to Shepherd yet. And I went to this woman's house. I was like, ah, I've been invited. I may as well It'll be a good chance to drink and meet people. It's so funny. By the end of the night, the most quiet woman who later we know, um, Jackie, Jackie. Oh, yeah. Very quiet around the station. Yeah, At work. So quiet and lovely. Next minute, top off at this party. Everyone's pissed. (laughs) Like in bro. (laughs) It was so funny. Did you know at the time that you were going to be working with her? (laughs) She worked there, yes. It was like an introduction. (laughs) Wow. Jackie, gotcha. 97, does it, I mean, you haven't uh, had any radio experience at yeah. all. What, sta- <laughs> what stands out to you in regards to when you hear Stace and Tommy talking about the regional stuff? You have well, any questions around, on that? Imagine baby moving from home. Oh, yeah. No, it, sounds, it sounds real full on just you're, you're uplifting your whole life in one spot and moving it to another and especially mm-hmm. like a, a town where you don't know anyone, that's that's so full on. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, like the hours and stuff on top of that, it's yeah. crazy. So what's, what's the difference in coming to the regional station and then having the opportunity to start at a metro station? Mm. Like is there any is or is it the same feeling? I'd worked at a metro station behind the scenes before I'd done regional. Mm. Yeah. I was a producer, beg your pardon. <laughs> and um, and so I, I was a little bit more familiar with just the bells and whistles and how full on a commercial mm. radio station can be, but also how awesome mm. I felt like it could be. Um so I don't know. I feel like to some degree because we had a team, the team I was going in with um, in Christie, we were friends and so and we, we kind of had each other. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it was pretty awesome if mm. I'm honest. Like, well, I think people have an illusion that when you level up, you, you everything's cool, you know, at that pace. You know, so you – but new roles are – they embody – the meeting people, having to win people over or playing a game. But a I still game. felt like it was more honest, you okay. know. So when we're talking about regional, you kind of don't want to be there. They kind of don't want you there. Everyone needs to be there for a reason. They think, okay, great. And regional's still hard to get into. You know, mm. you think that their jobs that just come up willy-nilly. They're not. You still need to audition for them. It's still super competitive. And so the best people still get those jobs on air, even in those markets. So you're there even though they kind of don't want you there. So there's all mm. this, you know, animosity essentially. Then you move to Metro, everyone's there because they fucking want to be there. Mm. That's the difference. Yeah. Like you are there because you choose to be there. And and I, we were working with Kyle and Jack's team, essentially the best in the country. So, there, you know, there wasn't many complaints when we got there. It's not a stepping stone. Like at that, the Metro market, you can 
arrive and be doing it. And, and sort you're of, gone. Yeah. So you say we've got this arc mm. idea. It happens the mm. next day. Like, yeah. And then it slowly disintegrates into the reality of like any jobs and, and the, the shininess wears off and the hard work sets in and you realise how low down the rank you are compared to Kyle mm. and Jack in terms mm. of budgets and ideas and mm. all that stuff. But it's still nothing. You know, I'm still so glad that I had that to compare to because – um, it was, yeah, it was a huge jump, but it was pretty cool at the time. I knew what you wanted when you were in Shepparton because you made it clear about wanting to move and get a metro, you know, position. Mm, mm. What, um, are you goal orientated like that? Have you got a destination or have you learnt from having a destination arriving and then it's shifting? So, it's so interesting you ask this question because it's not just radio that I had, like it was even to get to Nova, which was my first radio job, it was working in dance music, I've always had that ability to have where I want to be and then kind of put it out there and do the bits, the parts Mm. to get there. But at the moment, I feel like the last time that happened for me is the baby. Like it was really a bit of a trip out because all of a sudden I felt like getting this child was an ambition a bit. Mm. It had to be a bit of work because our journey is very different to the average Joe. Um, So I had to put that same energy and it was, it was because it's still creative energy and it still mm. comes from the same kind of womb, they say, that creative projects and babies are all kind of built from there. So it was a bit, and then I got it. And so now I feel like I'm a, in a little bit of a limbo place, to be honest, which is very, very unusual for me. It's all right. You'll be distracted once that baby comes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm giving myself the space. But I've got yeah. to say, because I'm not quite that person anymore and I'm not yet a mum, I am, it's been a really interesting period the last kind of six months to Mm. be sitting in that middle land when I've always got quite a clear goal that I'm aiming for. Um, But I know that when I get that again, and it has to be true, has to be a passion, it has to be something that evokes something honest in me, um, then I guess I'll go for it again. But it'll, it'll be different this time. It won't be as strategic or aggressive. I think if it's, I've got a bit of a combo of now understanding that there's good. It's good to have goals where they come from your honesty as opposed to a strategy place. I think with radio, I very much saw myself as an announcer and saw myself as wanting to be on air and I created a picture for myself and part of me was was that person in honesty but then there were elements of me that I think I hadn't really discovered. Mm-hmm. So now it's kind of like I know a little bit more of who I am so the next thing won't be such a strategy. I think it will be more me just being my truer self and that will get me there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you think that you fulfilled the full picture that you had in mind for Thinker Girls? Um, Well, no, because I always could go bigger. Mm. Um, But yes, at the same time, because we also achieve so much in such a short time. Mm. So I think you can always, yeah, should we have got the Broad City Australian version of a television show which we came very close to getting or should we have continued on to go on to drive or should we, I mean, yeah, sure, those things would have been cool but then at the same time they weren't, I really am very, um, really solid and grounded in the fact that they weren't our things. Mm -hmm. They were our dreams but where we landed was where we were supposed to land. Do you think that from, I guess you're quite early in regards to the podcasting space, how did that shape, do you think, the the way the, the whole project sort of went versus if you were doing it in 2019? So different. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I remember reading an article um, of Charlie Pickering of how he spoke about, I think they tried to do a video series on Telstra. Remember before YouTube, oh, you yeah. could download Telstra technology mm-hmm. and it would like da- 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 download the video. Yeah. So they tried to do essentially what is now known as a web series back before YouTube was even a platform. Mm-hmm. And I remember him talking about this feeling of having these ideas a step before everyone was ready for them. I feel like that has been me my whole life. Mm-hmm with the Thinker Girls, with podcasting even, just a teeny bit a step ahead before. And I know that I'm done with that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be that pioneery or that person that – because I, I, that was very – motivated me a lot. So the podcasting industry that hadn't quite taken off was very much a motivator. I was very passionate about it because it wasn't something that had been done and that kind of conversation, like the Thinker Girls, the things we were talking about were not spoken about. Mm. Two girls, two girls wasn't really spoke, you know, it wasn't really done often. Um, so those things really motivated me. They don't motivate me anymore. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel like I need to be the first one to the party. Mm. Do you think it's always? Do you think it's best even being the first to the party? Like, is it's not best for your pay packet? <laughs> no, but mm. it is pretty nice for your integrity. Like to create content before anyone's telling you is it's good and it's good or it's okay. We, the only gauge we ever had to be able to know that we were doing the right thing was our intuition and our audience. We never really had anyone in the industry telling us this is amazing. We never had money being thrown at us like a lot of the the girl podcasts are now mm. with brands. We never had any of those mm. opportunities to keep reinstating we were doing something good. We had ourselves and that was it. What is the uh, what's the scepticism that that comes with being early? Do you think that you sort of look at it in a different light, potentially seeing the new version of podcasting? Because I, I guess- think it's a young person's game mm. a bit, to be honest. I think you just start, well for me, I just want different things. Mm. I want a little bit more stability. I know that I can bring great ideas and content and I guess um, a creative kind of flair that deserves to be uh, paid for mm. too, you know. So it just you just change a bit where that stuff didn't that didn't matter to me as much. It was more about the message and getting mm. it there first and and kind of the drive of it. I loved that part of it. So that was my currency. So yeah. there's no regrets, but it's not something that I guess fills me up as much as it used to. Because we always talk as a team about like where we think the daily talk show is going to be and it's always way further along than where we are now. Did you have those conversations where you always like, this is going to happen. Did it feel like you were going to sort of reach the full potential through the journey? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that comes from me having a really good conversation with my gut. I don't, again, you need to have some other backing that is beyond you and it's a bit spiritual, but I always had this feeling that there was something a bit bigger than us that mm-hmm. was going to take play um, that we couldn't necessarily, we tried to map it, but we couldn't necessarily decipher how it was all going to happen. Even before the night show, we would have been totally happy with an hour Sunday night show, which was what we were pitching to Kiss at the time. Mm. And then they came back with a national night show, you know. So even though we were thinking big, it just kept getting bigger and bigger. But I think we knew it would be big. We just didn't, we didn't kind of control, or even though it looked like we controlled a lot of it, we didn't hang too much onto what, the end picture would look like. We just felt like we wanted to do content and wanted to do it in a big way. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, people are always trying to work out these things that might not necessarily be known. Yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like building an audience is like. So you, I looked at someone's LinkedIn. They were putting up like, "Here's the tricks to video. Here's the five things." And I was thinking, I put a lens of skepticism on. Like, first you go, "Who? What videos have you created?" Mm-hmm. Or, um, but then I was thinking about where I have landed some success in creating videos. It's like I never look. I never thought about it in that. Step one, two, three, four. Because I think we, I think we misjudge the bits that are hard. Yeah. So I think a lot of people would think the hard bit is getting people to see it, actually editing it, and doing it, which mm-hmm. is a skill set not everybody has. But the hard bit is letting go of the of the place you want it to land. I don't think I think that's the hardest bit mm-hmm. is losing the control of how the content will be consumed, where it will go. And I think that is the bit that there's all these underlying parts of things being, uh, uh, you know, underlying discussions that aren't had about success. And a lot of it is about those emotional, you know, control things that we all try and hang on to that I think once you, it, it's it's the same as anything that's gone successful. If you let it go to a point, people will tell you at one point I just was over it. Like even for radio, by the time we got Kiss, I was done with radio and we were pitching and talking to Channel V by that point to do television because I was like, I'm fucking so done pitching Mm. and knocking on these radio people's doors. I'm out. And then two months later we got right. Like it happens like that all the time. When you take something completely off the table, it then somehow appears. Like I found that in life. I shift my focus. I shifted my focus away from getting into radio to more into the – coaching and stuff around the personal training and then I got a radio but, thing. But yeah. it's also, I mean, <laughs> the frustration around that idea I feel is that the, because I feel like I feel that as well, but then there's also times where that doesn't work out. Like so, like for instance, f- financially, like we think like when we, four months ago we were like with the daily talk show, it's going to be our full-time thing. We're going to like let's not focus on this thing, this thing will happen. And then sure enough, you get to November and you're like, oh, fuck, we need to get working. We need to make this shit happen. I guess that it can be, it's so easy for us, I think, as creators to be like, shit is going to happen. It's going to fucking fall into place. Mm -hmm. But I think it doesn't make it any easier. But I didn't say shit is definitely going to happen. I said the right shit will happen. Well, that's what, that's yeah. the bit that you have to let go of yeah, is exactly. the idea that you the thing you want to get up is the thing that will get up mm-hmm. and that you essentially have to be doing enough things to have one thing get up mm-hmm. or a very good like, plan to be able to pay your rent yeah. until mm-hmm. something gets up. You know what I mean? So it's to be able to have that process or at least the foundation to have you keep trialling mm-hmm. some stuff and, and working and creating till it gets to a point where something sticks. How much does cash turn into compromise in regards to creativity? Like how much was there the, okay, we need to make money versus this is the thing we want to do? Mm, not much, but it was more about being able to make sure that you could, um, and it still is, be able to fund your creativity. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to be going backwards. It got to a point where we're like, okay, I don't want to be going into my own pocket now. And that's when we started to get really creative with events and doing different things to be able to not own, not to sell out essentially with content or to do jobs we didn't want to do. We just tried to get really crafty with the ways that we could bring in income. And that's still the case, you mm. know, even with I'd started doing online courses um, and 
doing some coaching and stuff this year, which is all still stuff that resonates with me. So in a way, even though it was a different driver, because I was like, okay, I've got this as an offering. I can make money from this. I'm going, and that drove me more than this for once. Mm -hmm. And that didn't mean it was any less authentic, you know? So I just kind of think you can get crafty and you can get really, I don't know, um, smart about the way that Mm -hmm. you can then exploit or share your content or what you have to bring, which is what I've learned over the, over the years. It doesn't mean it's a sellout. Yeah. I think it is a friction point for creatives when they're having to be resourceful, trying to work out how to fund the fun or fund the thing that they're doing. Do you think it puts, I mean, some people can't handle that state of having to work out how to make money, but also be creative because they're, they're in some respects, they're different muscles, right? Mm. A good mm, businessman mm, mm, mm. isn't necessarily a creative artist. And also I think a lot of people that have ego that's, you know, very much filled by the money side of things is it's a really hard industry to be in if you feel like owning a house by a certain age, doing all of mm. these things is something that drives you, but you want to be, you want to have this creative picture and be a, a DOP or, you know, you want to do something that takes 10, 15 years for you to get a job or mm-hmm. like, you know, have some form of, it's tricky. You, It's not only, I think it is what you're saying is right. They're two different muscles, but also a creative has to be also a kind of person, uh, I think, to, to uh, survive long, long term. Mm. You need to be a person that doesn't necessarily, I don't know, think of all those things as the, the main currency of success in your life. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, there's much better ways to just earn a paycheck and get a house, mm-hmm. get a mortgage well, and that's pay it. that yeah. off Like weekly. if you wanted to, like that's I guess what we always come back to. It's like we could always work at a tech company or a radio station and get a producer role and do all that sort of thing. But we, I guess the, the hard part is that you spend, you know, like with in what we're doing, it's been nearly two years and you make it work and all that sort of thing. But then when there's a, a week or a month where it's like, okay, we're not making budget, when your back is up against a wall, you all of a sudden mm. have to make harder decisions around like, okay, we said we're not going to do this thing. Is this actually going to compromise the overall stra- longer strategy? And you 100% have to relook every mm. bit of the way. You, and not only that from a budget perspective, but you change as people. Mm. You know, I got pregnant and it's like, okay, I don't want to – Sure. Um, I'm married and, and I've, I'm in a, a great position in terms of setting up, we can pay the rent, we can do all those kinds of things because I'm in a relationship. But at the same time, it wasn't just about necessarily money. I wanted to be a contributor to that. I mm. wanted to be as big as a contributor as I was and what the plan was when I was on commercial radio. So how do I get back to that point? Not just because I want to earn big cash and drive this certain car, but because I want to contribute to my family, mm. you know. So you, you do start to have all kinds of different conversations and just because you enter into the creative world doesn't mean at any one given day you've signed off and never have those thoughts, you know. You have them regularly, which is why it's such a tough, tough gig to take because yeah. you yeah. have to constantly keep choosing it. Mm. It is always a choice. And, you know, that was the bit that I learned over the last couple of years with things really, you know, changing for me and going out and working more on my own, it was very much that I had to keep choosing to do it. And that's that's tough because mm-hmm. you could also just choose, maybe I'm going to become a uh, researcher or, you know, a, a producer on a tally show and just go get my paycheck and come home. You know, those thoughts totally happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 
you know, it's not, it's, I, I've, I feel I've got a voice and yeah. that's, that's what I want to back. Do you think when shit gets harder, you got your back up against the wall? It, what kind of person do you become? Are you a f- fighter or, or does it? I guess mm. also if you, cause you're someone who is very into your intuition, your gut instinct, your gut instinct has served you all this time and you followed it. And then to have those friction points, I guess an extension, are you, can you then fall into questioning, hang on, is this gut instinct just a bit of delusion? Never, never. No. It's always led me to the right place. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think our gut instinct, uh, that's the only thing I believe we have. Mm. I really do. I think that's the only thing we know for sure. And if we don't have that, then we're we're in this world like so alone, constantly just following the pack. And that's mm. there's just no way that life is about that, that we're supposed to just be here consumed to just sign up to what everybody else tells us to do. So if that's not the case, then what's the other option? It's got to be that you go within and find your own vibe with it, Mm. you know, and find your own place. So that's never really been a question for me. But it's at the time when you're in those moments and your back is against the wall, maybe I won't meditate and ask my gut. Mm. Maybe you get a bit sabotage or you kind of like, fuck this, I don't want to do it. And then I'm not perfect. Like, and and I won't meditate for a couple of days which doesn't, me- you know, you don't nothing. I don't start growing another head, but it means that I've lost a little bit of my compass, right? Mm-hmm. So then you c- you can go down a bit of a spiral where you're like, you start to question stuff, and that's, I guess, the challenge is to be able to come back to it, and you come back to it, and straight away you get an answer that you know is the answer you need, which is just give it a couple of days, or email this person, or this is this is just a step to the next place, and then you can trust it. Like I, I, I've got such a good relationship with what I call my inner mate, is that I can kind of look at it and go, all right, this isn't going to be exactly the way. For example, I've got an event coming up, my first um, solo, uh, I guess, speaking engagement, and it is all about how to find your intuition. And the numbers are different to the numbers that I would have with events that I did with, you know, a very Mm. successful duo with two people, lots of different, you know, profile behind it, whatever. And, but I have to come back to myself and kind of go, no, 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 this is a stepping stone for the next bit and the next bit. And that I get from my gut. Mm. I don't get it from anywhere else. Even if you told me or the girl that's organizing it with me was saying that, I would never buy it as much. Mm. I don't know. It's weird. What's the, how do you distinguish between, uh, gut instinct and things like anxiety. So, and and do they grapple? Um, yeah, they do. But I think the whole thing that we do in this workshop is talk about the idea or at least navigate through the idea that essentially your gut is your mate, right? If you are having things, and I know that it's people don't want to believe that there's an option for you that is all positivity, Everybody says, oh, that can't be real. Mm-hmm. No, actually, your your gut is, it's when I say positive, I mean it's not necessarily going to tell you everything you want to hear, but it is going to have your back because it's yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's ways for you to be able to almost, and I've figured out the best possible way I can to mould it into almost like a person I introduce you to so you can get a bit of an idea of, who they are, what their characteristics are, how to trust them, how to find them, how to call them, how to speak to them, how to listen to them, just as you would as a friend. And so that's how we kind of navigate, I guess, trying to find something that's really personal and very internal. I try and make that as easy as possible for someone that is questioning their intuition and Mm -hmm. trying to find ways to come back to it. But back to the anxiety question, 
The anxiety can sometimes be a bit of a tricky one because it can also be a very good way for you to get messages. Mm. You know, often mm. we see anxiety as such a negative thing, which for a lot of us it is because it, it's a pain in the ass. It makes mm. us feel not great. But we're also very quick to take signs that are only positive. We really ignore signs that come through as negative. And in fact, signs that aren't necessarily what we want to hear or what we want to do are just as powerful pieces of information from our gut than the positive ones. And so I think, you know, we need to kind of start to understand how to use our anxiety for our own benefit as well. That's not talking to people that are, you know, panic attacks and yeah, riddled yeah, with yeah, it. You know, yeah. I'm talking people that have tight chests like me mm-hmm. and, you know, things that aren't as extreme. Well, but there's ways for you to navigate it, mm. I guess. Does that make yeah, sense? I guess or? where do you put it? Where do you prioritise it? Where All these things and these, like, got a hundred thoughts or whatever or on a specific thing. There's a million different ways that you can go. How do you start to sort those into something that's actionable? Well, you start to separate straight up that your thoughts aren't you, right? Mm. So you've got to read, everyone's got to read. I think I've even spoken about this or maybe on your podcast or someone else's The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It's the greatest I- explanation of how you yourself, your personality, your sense of being, your purpose, who you feel like you are, who you feel like you are with your best mate, your partner, who you were as a kid, that is not your thought. Mm -hmm. They're completely two separate entities. And if we don't understand the difference between them, then it is very confusing because you're like, I am all of this. Well, no, you're not. You're only just this. And your thoughts are almost like I like to call it a director of what this is. So it will essentially be the the person that says we're going this way, we're going that way, we're actioning this, we're doing this, or we're not. But they're actions. They're not an essence or they're not actually who you are. Mm-hmm. So the first step is trying to figure out ways to separate those two and understand that they're very different conversations and very different, I guess, offerings. Which dictates which? You've got, you've well, that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You have to have your gut dictate Mm -hmm. your mind Mm -hmm. because if your mind dictates your gut then you're constantly going to feel very confused Mm -hmm. and very unfulfilled with life I think. Where does external voices and culture fit into this? So I guess like uh, some people feel like in their gut they need to uh, have a kid or buy a house or Mm -hmm. these things that are sort of set up. This is so complex. I'm writing about this in my book at the moment which is about single living and how much The first two chapters are all about how Disney and our parents and our society has taught us to couple up Mm. and how do you get out of an idea of what is, I guess, successful living as a woman um, and get into who you actually are. Maybe you do want to get married and live like Disney, but how do we separate from all of it to figure it out? Mm. Um, and And for me that is meditation because it kind of rids the noise and you have to create some form of space to be able to separate the two, so your mind and your gut. But for other people it might just be walking or listening to me. It just needs to be something that happens that allows you to have space Mm. because when we don't have space – there is no, there's no way for you to be able to separate the two. It's just mm. one big merging blob. Mm. And actually being the observer, right? Because you're talking about mind and mm-hmm. it's like in the distinction between the two, even anxiety, being able to understand what that feeling is. I didn't think I was an anxious person. Mm. And, I, and I, I went to the doctor last night and I was talking to him about like uh, 
getting the you know Medi- Medicare rebate for seeing a psychologist. And I was saying, I don't oh, know. You had to do that that test, the mental yeah, health yeah. thing. Oh, they just so ask you a bunch luckily, of luckily they didn't ask how to spell psychologist. You Definitely were. not. Fuck, I was spelling it with ph. <laughs> Hey, screw that. I'm writing a book and I reckon I'd spell psychologist like that. You can do anything, guys. Believe in yourself. But I said to him, I don't know if it's quitting alcohol for the year and and confronting the feelings that I have that I may have been masking with alcohol and meditating that makes me observe the feelings that I'm having. I don't know if it's that or I've always felt anxious at times and haven't identified. And I'm leaning towards I actually just haven't identified myself as having anxiety. My husband was like that. Yeah. Yeah, he was like that. Because I think you lean into the positivity. I want to switch the Mm -hmm. anxiousness to positivity ASAP. And you don't want to be an anxious person. Yeah. You don't want to be with everyone else. Yeah. Like, you know, or or the picture of what an anxious Mm. person is. But there is no picture. And it comes up and goes, you know. And what's confronting is taking time to be still. If you're always thinking, taking time to actually acknowledge the fact that there is a flood of thought, sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes down a negative spiral. That's confronting in itself to realise, fuck, I'm out of control. Because mm. we all are. Thoughts mm. are, uh, we, we don't control the thinking. It mm. happens. And so, but then it's controlling how we acknowledge that thinking and observing it. So sitting back from it, which is, yeah, I think it's it's so powerful and hard at the same time. Very hard. Yeah. yeah. It gets easier though. Mm. And, you know, over time you start to not have to go so deep to be able to see the benefits of it. It will just happen. Like even how we were talking before, I don't know what the question was, but I was like, when you were saying, is the gut just mm. maybe not nothing? And I was, I almost was like, I don't even know how to answer that. Cause that mm. is, ha- I think so it's not even, I don't even feel like it, I might come across like some religious crazy. Well, but it, it could be faith. Like that is a type of faith, right? Which is like think, that there is this thing that is guiding guiding you or whatever, which is I think. But the, I think it's all, it, we all have one. Mm. I think with faith it's like specific to a certain type well, of faith rules, isn't right? like religion. Like a, oh. I guess that's a difference between religion and faith. Like that's what I think is powerful when I see friends who have, religion in their life, the people who I think I really sort of admire are the people who like they take the faith bit. Yeah. They take it as a personal practice. And so prayer is just meditation. And it's just like all these other things actually are just they're all one of the same in yeah. so, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, the I think like culture and the what we think society wants from us is interesting as well. Like the Tommy stopping at alcohol, uh, all these things of like, it feels like it's very popular at the moment to like quit things, right? Mm. Like stop doing this, stop Mm-mm. doing that. I don't watch TV. I don't consume this type of thing. And I wonder whether some of that is coming from people's own feeling of inadequ- uh, inadequacy around like the self-hate of I'll, I'll be good if I don't do X, Y, and Z. Do you feel, like say with your phone, like I feel like that's one big one for me. I'm constantly like if I don't spend, if I spend less time on my phone, I'll be able to have things dialed in. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking about those things from a personal level of like I want to cut out this, I want to cut out that? Not really, no. I Mm. think because I think, I don't know, I feel like it's almost impossible then to live long term like that. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm looking constantly to find things that I can add to my day that level the things I choose to use out. So 
creating space or, you know, meditating mm. or doing yoga or going for a walk or exercise, whatever it is, I need to be on my phone for work. Probably not as much as I am at the moment um, because I'm pregnant and tired, so I want it a lot. But, I mean, it's more about trying to – that's something that's going to be with me all the time. And yeah. I, I tried that before. I had, well, We would laugh because I bought a burner phone, which was like right, one of those flips. What are you selling? <laughs> that's what we called it. It was a different number. It was a flip. It, had, it was not a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And I had it just to have as a number. So you could text me or call me on the weekends and I would have no social media. This is when I was still on air because it was just so intense. Everything was so full on. It was just brimming up. But at the same time, it was like I couldn't take photos and there were parts of the phone that actually helped me with maps and different stuff. I was like, no, I've got to find more of a a way to kind of support this lifestyle as opposed to fight it. So what's the structure then? If it's not getting rid of it, what what do you do? Well, it's creating space, Mm -hmm. creating space without all of it and being able to find ways to separate from the noise, which whether can be traffic, work, I don't know, um, stuff that's stressing you out or your thoughts to your actual gut, which Mm. is just a person or a spirit or a faith or a nothing. It's just maybe some silence that you can kind of tap into and just say, hey, Stace, what a day. Mm. You know what I mean? And just come back home a bit and not have any of that noise. And so the that idea of like, you know, you're talking about being tired and pregnant, so you're spending more time on your phone potentially. Mm. Do you think that those things where we say, you know what, I'm going to just let myself do these things. So for instance, like, yeah, I am tired, so I'm just going, going to lean into it. I'm going to scroll on Instagram for three hours and I'm not going to be hard on myself. Are those serving us or are those actually self-sabotaging actions that make us feel tired. I can't work out, am I tired and then going on Instagram or is Instagram making me tired? Both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Both. I think the rule stuff, some people require Mm. some kind of non-negotiable rule around. So alcohol. Structure. Structure. Like yeah. yeah. There is I think it's guys, actually. Yeah. Uh, ben, my husband's been saying this a lot, actually. He's doing a bit of, he's doing a coaching program with this other dude and it's all about positive masculinity and and it's fascinating. And he's saying, and he was saying, coming into, he came into the room after he did it the next morning and was saying, I know you're a bit of a go with the flow person and I know on a weekend, this, this and this. He's like, but actually I need, stru- I need some structure mm-hmm. about when are we going to do this, how are we going to do that, whatever. And they were talking about how it is a real, it's a real bloke thing mm-hmm. that it actually, it's just a way for you to um, feel safer mm-hmm. and feel better about your situation. So I think it might be girls too, but I, I, it's, that was just what yeah. has come up in our life recently. Yeah, I mean the phone thing's an interesting one because if you just went with the flow, you'd continue doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm is mm. just scrolling when mm. you're tired, yeah. flicking just constantly in it, moving back and mm. forth. So if there is a rule, and then maybe the rule thing doesn't work once you try it. Unless we try these things, mm. how do we know if they work? How If we give them three months, six months, a year, you need to give it that to see if it works. But And the quitting part could be an element of you creating that space. Mm. You know, so we're talking about this space today. The quitting booze for however long could be an, an opportunity for you to have more space, which – then if that works, that works, right? I guess also like I think about my work and I feel happy happiest when success is defined. So mm-hmm. then I know whether it's been a successful project or not. I guess that's why these little indicators of I'm, I'm only going to spend this amount of time on my phone or 
uh, having a calendar that's filled up gives you some of those elements of what success is. Yeah. I, mean, I have that, even with my self-care and mm-hmm. med- like I'll do a month where I'm like, ugh, I feel like I've kind of gone on and off. So I'll have those those calendar things from Typo where they've got the boxes of the calendar and every morning if I meditate or if I tap or if I do some stretches or whatever, I'll just write it down and I'll give myself a little menu of things to choose from so it's not so rigid and then I can see back through the month of what I've done mm-hmm as a bit of a monthly kind of challenge. Like I, I get it. Like it can be all different stuff, but I suppose the, the flip side of all of this is that it doing different things for different people is the key. So how do you figure out what is right for you if you don't have any space to ask yourself? Mm-hmm. That's the fucking head fuck yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, do you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. If you, So all of this stuff works really well if you have a good conversation with yourself to be able to judge what is right for you. And is that meditation? Is that where you think that happens? Quiet. So mm-hmm. if that's meditation, then yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I do. I do. And I think um, I think it's just it's the obvious discussion point. It's the obvious suggestion, but I think it is because it mm-hmm. works. I think that quiet also feels like a luxury when sh- you feel like, shit's happening and you need to make decisions and you've got all of this stimulus. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Mm. But then the benefit of just swimming in thought for eight, 16 hours of your waking day isn't necessarily optimised mm. to, to get the result of fixing or, you know, yeah, I guess shifting. That's, what's the po- I guess the point, what's the point as well in regards to like it's okay for things not to be going right. Like I think yeah, maybe yeah. sometimes it's like I'm going to meditate and so then these things that are bad aren't going to be bad anymore, but maybe it's being able to deal with Oh, no, I mean that's that. the – I mean the Sam Harris, his app mm-hmm. is like this may be the only 10 minutes of your day where you drop all of the th- mm-hmm. thought. So what you th- said then is mm-hmm. – you're thinking about the outcome you based on the meditation. It. Yeah, you labelled yeah. the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's, he's like, no, 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 it's going to be there. Don't worry, mm-hmm. pick it up. Ten minutes, you're still fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this ten minutes, just sit back from it. Space. Yeah, which and I guess is which is interesting because I think that for a lot of people they have to get to a dark – but like people have to get to a dark space where to – Motivate dark place them. To motivate yeah. them to do all these sorts of things. Yeah, so yeah. then – the expectation becomes so fucking massive of what it's going to do for them. It's like, yeah, okay, well. and that's why people yeah. avoid it. Yeah. But yeah. I say that all the time, even to my mates, I'll say all the time, don't fucking start to build your house in the rain, mate. Yeah. Like do it when you feel good. Mm-hmm. That's the best work you can do because mostly if you're going to therapy when shit hits the fan, it's mm-hmm. to survive the shit hitting the fan. Actually getting benefits of therapy and moving forward and having your life mm-hmm. improved, the work is done when it's sunny outside, yeah. it's when like, things aren't, you know, screwed. It's up, update your LinkedIn before you need a new job. That's my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good hey, we're talking each their own, so there's, there's <laughs> no, no judgment here. I, yeah, so <laughs> check in with yourself. Have you updated your LinkedIn today? Because yeah, no, because yeah. I I remember uh, like about four years ago at a previous job, uh, I was uh, known as the person who would know whether someone was leaving based on their LinkedIn activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you're the kind like, of guy that would know if someone unfollowed somebody yeah, as well. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, we're going to bring that up nah, because this is the thing I <laughs> wanted to ask. <laughs> How did I find out? I, I looked. How does anyone know that information? So I just, like, these are the rabbit holes that I end up with. I, I go, okay, I uh, uh, wonder what's happening with those two people. Are they, 
And then so I go following, like, who are they following? So you and then thought right, that about Tommy and I? No, I was literally. Uh, what the, is happening with those two so, people? No, no, no. What was that? What was my thought process? <laughs> what was my good. thought process? No, the thought what pres- is there to be not good? I don't no, know. No, not that there's not good. No, but just like you're like, okay, what's I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to understand it. Give me a moment. Do you not? Did you ever do it or no? Go looking to see Would if other go, people follow people. Yeah, you've never done it. No. Oh, I do it all the time. <laughs> like the, the thing is, using so this one catch example. Someone out, is no, that no, what no, you're doing? It's like, not catching out. To- it's like I'm creating stories around. Like I think. I wonder, like, I got a vibe about this. Do you this. work I for Confidential? The- no. <laughs> that sounds like something they would do. No, I don't. No, I definitely do that. Like, you, I'll, I'll be the first one to know if someone drops off in regards to stopping liking my content. Um, oh, and so, I'll so go had I and dropped I, off? Lots of things. They're little indicators, potentially anxiety yeah, well, that happens. Give me a few. Give, but that's okay. I can, I'm into I actually it. Can't, I actually so can't I dropped remember. off liking a few things. Oh no! I was potentially. I'm. Yeah, I'm trying to. Where were you? What was the weather? <laughs> yeah, I don't know the specifics, but I do it. I there's a it, lot of his, it. It's I his blessing it. and a curse. He's a great storyteller, and the stories come from every angle. Some aren't true. Some he's just made. But also, I dots. find it fascinating because mm. it starts somewhere, and it doesn't mm. mean that it has to mean anything. Mm. But yeah. it, it could be an anxious thought. It could be not. But it's still fascinating to me as to what the. What it's like, well, we're talking about fires. How did Mm. it start? Like, you know, where was it something like you thought she would have totally used to have liked that? And I didn't. And then you go, she's probably not following us. And then go into a little bit. Yeah. It's like, oh no, she's following. Uh, What about because you go on the following? It's like, I say me, I say the dad. Hang on. But yeah, no, there is a there is a lot of there is a lot of that. What but did I've, you think? So you got a message from somebody I don't know who one it was. One of the Gronks. One of the Gronks. Someone who follows you and I. Well she was a, she's us. a long term follower of the Thinker Girls. Mm-hmm. And, and now then she's a Gronk her, squad member. Yeah, yeah. And then heard her on this show and now uh-huh. is a big follower of your show. Great. And she messaged me what I screen grabbed and messaged you yeah, yeah. saying. So much drama. If, what did she say again? 97, do you remember? It was she so sweet. She said something sweet. like, it was, she was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. You're not starting drama. Like, this hey. is completely fine. The guys were so nice about it. <laughs> she did. And she said, but they have spoken about the fact that you haven't, you unfollowed Tommy. Yeah. And I was, I just thought it was fucking hilarious yeah. from the beginning. I was What's like, a, I mean, if we were to go, if we were to go deep and then for a she, moment, no. But then she said, and I've checked, and it's right. <laughs> <laughs> she, she went in, she went, and I've checked. You don't follow him, and I was like, shit. And of course, I knew what it was. I unfollowed like a thousand people. Yeah. So was that the thing? Is it a bit of a culling? Like yeah. you go yeah, for a culling did, period a or whatever? Color. It's my was, black and white photo. She just <laughs> thought I just I was went a bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And no, it would have been some. Well, it's interesting. We should look into who's above you and below you because yeah, it would have been cut. one well, it of them. It doesn't show yeah. you. Uh, weirdly, Instagram doesn't show you in order of the following only followers, <laughs> which is a, which another mate. weird thing. But another thing is you can't. One thing they've done, which tri- uh, tripped me up the other day with one of the stories I was creating, was that they uh, <laughs> it proved your story th- wrong. No, they don't always show. Um, you know how normally all the people that you follow, that they follow, a sort of appear up on yeah. the top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not always accurate. Also, so, this isn't a story. Like mm. what you found happened. I yeah. wasn't following Tommy. Great. Which like, is do you know the, what I mean? But then like, it's the, what does it mean? And so now it's the story. Yeah, yeah. 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 
what does it mean is obviously the story, mm. but actually the beginnings of what you found, mm. even though you're like trying to push yeah. it down, yeah. it had legitimacy because mm. I had not. Fo- I, she said to me, you're not following me. I went onto his page and I was like, fuck, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? And so then I went back and followed you, clearly. And you texted and, it to me. Yes. <laughs> and said, and Surprised I didn't so even really address what happened. So it was good. Well, yeah, I just unfollowed a, a lot outcome. of people. Yeah. But also, you accidentally gave it, followed him. Also, I don't even know mm, what happened. But it also just gave a good sort of like, <laughs> reason for it all to happen, really, which so I'm glad that I was able to facilitate. But <laughs> Well, no, otherwise I, I, you might have found out one yeah. way and that would have oh, probably no, been a bit never, more if we, we had that conversation. No, because we had that conversation and I'm like, I know our friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that, like... If you've got something, like, you're just not saying it to me. If you need to unfollow me, good, mm. but we're still mates. And so I never bought into a story of you've done it for X, Y, and Z. I always was like, dude, there's, nothing it, here. there's, there's actually so nothing. So did you think there could have been some beef? Mm, no, nah, not beef, but I was Vegan. just like. <laughs> no, I was. Veggie, veggie no, go, Be honest. Okay, I was be honest. So what, what I thought it could have been, I was like, oh, this is what I rationalised. I was like, okay, you had the uh, miscarriage. You uh, you are cleansing the sorts of content that you're producing. Tommy is fucking always <laughs> posting about Bodhi and all this sort of shit. And so you're like, I'm just, I don't, can't have these kids. I can't have all this sort of shit in my feed. Unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. And because I don't have like a kid and I wasn't in that sort of path in regards to you cancelling out that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and people might from, do that. Yeah, people yeah. might do that. Um, Interesting wow. story though. Wow. Like, yeah, that's it. fascinating. Again, have you ever thought <laughs> about writing for confidence? <laughs> 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 it's the Daily I would Mail. believe it. Yeah. I would believe it. Like, Daily Mail. No, there's, been, yeah, there's, there's a lot of you can see or, you can see a lot of what's happening in the world based on social media interactions and what's going on. Or you can't, which is exactly mm. what we've just proved. Well, you didn't say whether I was right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, yeah, and then there's also this idea of again. In your gut, you're like, there's been no beef yeah. here, and I know, but then we can create this whole fucking thing mm. by this thing that is really not that real. Yeah, but it wasn't a beef. If you thought about it, I went for the empathetic. Of course like, you did, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's still a creation. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, that has no merit in any contact or any form of mm. um, reality. Do if you know someone what I mean? likes your content, will you be, do you ever go, oh, wonder what that person's. Because that's what social media is, right? Like someone likes your content. It's like they haven't liked anything in a while. I wonder what's happening. Like what you'll see things where it's like, oh, that person, that guy is commenting a lot on that girl's posts. I reckon he's not with his partner anymore. No. And then you go down, you, you don't never, do any of that never. stuff. Never. Oh, you're missing never. it, mate. That's worth three thing, hours of my Instagram. I think goes the, thing, the thing that gets me is more work stuff. Mm. I probably get more secretively yeah. competitive, mm-hmm. which well, is not good. But good where I look you. at different people's stuff, I've stopped doing it now. But I think I would always be on, mostly for job opportunities. I was yeah, a yeah. bit of a like, or if that person's working with that, bre- like, yeah. like, there's an opening that's, here. That's like, almost more, strategic for a yeah, career. I'll be more. But personally, no, nah, I've never been this girl that is. I don't request anyone I went to school with. Mm, yeah. I've got no interest in seeing. Old mate Tiana from primary school and how many kids she's got. Oh, no, I've, I've got, got no interest nothing. In, no, no, no. But also from followers and stuff, like it, it has to be for me, and even, especially with the Thinker Girls, with how much we would share, mm-hmm. yeah. I had to keep a bit of a distance. I didn't want to know. This sounds awful because we, we would meet people, but mm-hmm. I would be happy to meet you at a real event, but I don't want to create some 
idea of who you are online. Sure. Mm. Here's a good one. Can I just a good one? Um, we can look at the story potentially behind it. LinkedIn, you can see who's looking at your profile. When we were in Shepherd and the CEO of Southern Cross Australia, I did Osterio, used to like that feature though. The biggest radio station in Australia, Reese Holleran. He's no longer the CEO, but he was currently looking at my um, LinkedIn profile. Not so, right at this second, but no, no, you no, did yesterday, yesterday. I saw. What's so Reese Holleran looking at my profile for? Oh, so you've got the because now LinkedIn nah, you've got to have the business pack well, or something. Well, no, they you? give you they they tease you with maybe <laughs> they took it away from me. They tease yeah. you with four oh, people. Definitely tease yeah. you with four people, oh, and then see all who's the uh, at me. But you're no. gonna have it activated so people can see. You know, you have to if you can see others. Mm-hmm. Oh no, they I took can it see off. You. I if we're I being if we're being honest, the the one this is one that's a little bit fucked up, which I think Tommy called me out on was we asked someone to be on our podcast mm-hmm. and they never got back to me. And so Did you ask them on Instagram so you could see if they'd seen it? Yes, and they saw it. Of course you did. And yeah. so what I did was I went through every per, every blue tick that they followed uh, on Instagram or anyone that I knew and put them down on a, all these people on a long list. I'm like, I'm going to in the next 10 days get as many people on as possible. And so they're bombarded with us in their feed. And did you? Yeah, we did, yeah. And have they responded yeah, since? They they then started engaging with our content, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. And so I, would, I, I need to meet someone like you to be my new business partner because yeah, I'm so impressed with that slash it probably used to be me yeah. and I'm tired of it now. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's tired, I need tired. someone else to do it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Is, You've lucked yeah, out here. Yeah, I don't do it. It's but, too much for me. But you've got me. someone in yeah. your corner that is doing it, mm. but you will get exhausted by it eventually. Yeah. Well, it is a little bit exhausted well, hearing yeah. about the journey he's been on. You were on a big adventure last night. Yeah, it's yeah. a big one. Yeah. <laughs> that is because, amazing. Yeah. And so part of it, like uh, – yeah, when I create these stories, I'm best though when Tommy at least lets me have them. But the other a, f- a few months ago, Tommy was like, "Maybe that's not true," and that pissed me off a lot because I'm like, "I've built this story over a long time." Yeah, and then you so there's attachment to your personal <laughs> truth, and the and well, no, it worked. I think that that Instagram thing is a good one. Like, you don't want to be yeah, but I, then what's payoff, right? Like, well, that's I, what you were saying. It's like my. Well, do you so really want them you, on now because they're competitive like, no, and they're seeing all these other no, people? I blacklist, yeah, uh, blacklisted them. <laughs> it's like you've got a list. I'm like, yes. You've got a blacklist. Uh, well, I, in my head there's a few people where it's just like people who it's like. I had yeah. a bit of a black. Well, I had a couple people that I that I was very much like, nah. And, and it, when we got the radio show from the podcast, when you're starting from scratch, mm. as you guys would know, and people ignore you or, you know, treat you like shit or mm. whatever. And then you get a big radio show with commercial, you know, um, national following coverage mm. and whatever. And then they start pitching to you. There were a few times mm. where I was like, nah. It's like that Instagram they, thing. Game. If, it's a status if game. If you don't, um, if you can't accept me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Mm. And so. You're so proud of that quote. You, <laughs> your, your whole <laughs> face was like, you were just dancing well, in your own words. Your is this your worst? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, but I think there is a bit, there's a little bit of like, hey, like if you, uh, uh, but it's driven me my whole life. Like mm, when I was a mm. kid, uh, like I wasn't popular, but the way that I gained respect as a kid was I was like, if you want to be in the year 10 video, you need to be my, you need to at least it's, be nice to the, me. So, but then it's, it's entering into mm. a power game because the op- opposite is that's okay. I understand where I'm at in this position. I'm a shit kicker. Or we're not there yet. We're not doing a good enough job at communicating mm. 
the so type that's of work the, so we that, do. that's the point. What I respect with the people who come on our show now is it's like they're not doing it in regards to status or any of these things. They're just doing it because they want to be on and they like us. Well, we've done over 500 episodes. Yeah. It, there is a point where it becomes but easy. There, there will be, easier. Yeah, but there'll be a time where it's like you've built a big enough beast that it is in people's int- their personal interest mm. to, to do it. To be on your to show. To be on the show. Yeah. And so what I my thought is, is if you can't accept us at our worst, you don't deserve us at our best, basically. <laughs> With the idea of if, you, if you're not going to come on the show now where it might not What's make completely changed? sense, yeah, yeah, then yeah. when you're ready to, yeah. you know, sell your book or whatever, I'm not fucking interested. Yeah. And I realise that there's a huge amount of grandiosity and all that sort of shit to it yeah. because and a, a bunch of ego, but a little ego oh, didn't yeah. hurt anyone. Well, you're aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's great that you've come on the show. Anyway, let's shake hands as new, um, as new um, followers. We're already friends. It's oh, great was there that you a little bit? Did, did you get a little bit of joy in the fact that I hadn't unfollowed you? I said to no, Tommy, of that I'm was like, a highlight. I said to Tommy, I was like, <laughs> at least you're still connected with her through me. <laughs> Um, Mr. 97, have we got any questions? I know the live stream's gone for quite uh, some time. No, it's gone. The live stream turned off. Oh, yeah. 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 Any an questions, hour. though? Uh, no, nah, just people saying, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, what's up? What's up? All right, guys. Uh, it's a daily talk show. Hi, uh, We had a bunch of – so we had a video. Uh, our mate Matt Diavella did this video on the 10-year rule. Or I like loved it. Day. I saw it. Yeah, and everyone was like, how do you guys actually – people think that this is all we do. Uh, and uh, they're like, they think we're trust fund kids. Unfortunately, we we don't have that. Yeah, yeah. Sort of well, it'd be great to be a trust yeah, fund kid right now. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But what we do do is video production. So if people want video production, uh, send us an email. Hi at thedailytalkshow.com. It's like employer brand stuff is our thing, where it's like people saying why they love where they like work. Like you did, and shit. like DFO, for example. Yeah, that stuff. stuff or, case study style video. I mean, this is a time to full testimonial from Stace. Me now, about your no, look down the back. No, 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 this Hi, could go either way. I'm Stacey Jean. Oh, I thought that's all right. Like, well, especially the rest later. Especially like a, a businesses that are human centered. If you've got a story that's around humans, and that's why it's like, like Invato, a tech company, mm. we did a bunch of stuff with them because it's like they've got all this great community and we can like celebrate it. In layman's terms though, you mean like Red Rooster are now doing, you know, a commercial for Christmas and families because they want to share their family pack. Mm -hmm. Is that what you- Is this true? No. But it's it's like the idea of that if you've got human stories that are Mm. behind brands, that's your specialty. I think Mm. that, yeah, that's very well put. I think it is around stuff, especially- with say technology or e-commerce or these things where it's like where well, you don't have bricks and mortar you don't actually get to see your customers there's not none of that connection and so doing those videos where you highlight your customers so it's like say if you've got a, a business where you sell tractors we can go onto a farm and tell the story about how this tractor mm-hmm. saved them all of this time and it's not only good for the uh, you know, external marketing, but then it explains to the fucking internal people within your business what you yeah, actually do. Yeah, it's a hard slog selling yourself as the business. So mm-hmm. if you can use stories of your customers mm-hmm. and stories within your business to share the story of your product or brand, yeah. it's mm-hmm. super powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. Yeah. So hi at thedailytalkshow.com is the email address if you want to send us an email. What's uh, Stacey June? If you just type that in onto Apple Podcasts, your show comes up. Yeah. I like the self-centered, self-centered Sundays. Yeah. 
It's a good benchmark. What do you I mean, reckon? Josh yeah. has got soft yeah. serve Sundays. So <laughs> <that's> <laughs> yeah. But they go well together. I don't know what I'm going to do next year, actually. There's a lot of me talking on my show at the moment. That's right. I got over the um, – because this this kind of style I did for seven years. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that I don't enjoy it, but I was looking for ways to get a message across. So then I just started talking into the microphone. Now I'm a bit over that too. So mm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what I pull out of the – what cat I pull out of the bag for next year. What about that? Stacy's space. So you're talking a lot about yeah. giving yourself space. Yeah. Maybe it's a podcast that oh, has silence. less. Of, well, initially, <laughs> I went there, but then an extension could be you start off by asking a question, and then they have space for 15 minutes, and then you then I come back. Come back. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like meditation. So a kind bit. of like self-centered Sunday, but then I give them the space in the exactly. middle to think you, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it right. also means you could do an hour podcast with like two minutes of material. Mm. Anyway, just a thought. Uh, I think people would turn off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're still listening. Uh, a lot of effort to go to get silence, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Maybe should we give them a free 10 seconds of space now? Sure. Yeah. Okay, here we go. It's quite pleasant, wasn't it? It's uh, Stacey's Space. The Daily Talk Show. See you tomorrow, guys. See you guys. Bye.